Welcome to Love Where You Live, a podcast dedicated to real estate in the Treasure Valley. When's this bubble gonna pop? Is it a good time to invest? Hey, I wanna buy a house, but where do I start? Start, start, start. Join our hosts, Jamie Matzdorf and Corey Michaels, as they share information and inspiration about Boise's real estate and fun to be had in the gym state. We'll have guest speakers, new perspectives, and much more, much more. To learn about the opportunities in the Treasure Valley and be supported by Idaho's best, go to jamiematzdorf.com. Well, welcome. It's time once again for another edition of Love Where You Live. I'm Corey Michaels, along with real estate expert Jamie Matzdorf. How have you been, my friend? So good, Corey. How are you? Uh, great. Now, how are things going with with real estate? There's so many rumors that are out there about what's going to happen yeah. coming up. Is there any of that you can kind of dispel or say, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. So um, we there's not a whole lot of data yet to prove kind of what direction we're going in. Things have been soft-ish the last two months. Um, you know, like we discussed in some of the earlier episodes, and we're not going to give away houses. You know, this isn't a mortgage crisis like it was right. in 2008. Um, but we are starting to see something shift a little bit. So we've got uh, two or three months of this shift, we'll call it. Um, under our belt. So we're kind of starting to collect some data. Mm -hmm. Um, Prices haven't necessarily gone down, but they're not growing at the rapid pace that we've been accustomed to the last uh, two, three years or so. Interest rates are still low. Um, We we anticipate them going up towards the end of Q4, maybe Q1 2022. So that might adjust things a little bit too. But, you know, with this administration, it's probably not going to be a massive change. Otherwise, it'll, you know, be a trickle effect of another economical crisis. So right. there's got to be some adjustment there, but, um, you know, folks are still buying, folks are still selling. Uh, we still have a lot of new construction, um, you know, happening all over the treasure Valley and our shoulders. So, so we, we still feel really good about things. There's, um, a little reprieve for buyers right now that there's less of the multiple offers the day a home goes on the market, Yeah, which is good because that's been a little (laughs) exhausting and stressful for everyone. And, you know, I've been a buyer. Uh, Our guest speaker today has been a recent home buyer also. So we've experienced that. So that is a little bit of reprieve for the buyers to know they've got a minute to breathe. Um, You know, you don't have a week to sleep on it, but you've got a a couple more days and, um, and there aren't nearly as many, uh, you know, drastic kind of astronomical above asking prices that we've been recently accustomed to seeing. That is great news because I know in in people that I talk to and uh, friends, family, they were all like, I, you know, I get in there twenty, thirty thousand dollars above asking, and still lose out because someone gave forty or fifty yeah. above asking. It was crazy. Yeah, and you know, and then you get into appraisal issues. So yes, we've got. I haven't had any personal appraisals come in low. In fact, I had two recently that came in above which was actually weird. Things seem to be going really well right now. Good. Yeah. That is great news. And brings us up to time for our guests this time around. And this is going to be a little different from some of the guests that we've had on in the past. It is. It is. Cameron and I um, have had the opportunity to work together um, just in some things at Boise Regional Realtors. And I'm going to let him introduce himself in some more depth here shortly. But um, he is the... um, political brains, I would say, of um, real estate. And, you know, there's so much more to real estate than just buying and selling homes. There's, you know, we need folks being advocates for local homeowners and 
um, homeowners' rights and, um, you know, things that surround that taxes that go to schools and different properties. Um, you know, it's not just about homes. We've got businesses and commercial and land. And um, so with that, welcome to the show, Cameron. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie. So um, tell me what your exact title is, because I never remember. Well, I love the description of the <laughs> title, but the actual awesome, title awesome. is uh, Director of Government Affairs for the Boise Regional Realtors. Okay, and remind me your last name. Kinzer. Kinzer, Kinzer. I always say it wrong. Awesome. <laughs> and how long have you been with Boise Regional Realtors in that role? Um, so I joined in 2017 um, in kind of a support role uh, for a former director and worked all the different various aspects of the job from the candidate endorsement side to the advocacy side and then eventually became director when our former director decided to move on. So I've been officially the director for two years. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, um, let's get to know you a little bit as a human. You're from Fruitland, right? Correct. Okay. So you're a local native just like I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. And where'd you go after um, you grew up in Fruitland? So uh, born in Boise, uh, grew up in Fruitland, went to the school system out there from kindergarten through high school, and then went to uh, TVC, uh, Treasure Valley Community College, which is right across the border in Ontario. Um, did two years there, transferred to Boise State, did two years there, and graduated in 2012 with a degree in political science. Awesome. So you've, you've done a lot in that world. You've been prepped for this position. Yeah, I always had dreams <laughs> of going to law school, and then I kind of fell into the political side. And um, now I'm 31, so it seems like law school is, uh, you know. Oh gosh, it, the it, world it, is still your oyster. It's still, yeah. it's still, still an option, <laughs> but um, I'm in a pretty good spot right now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here with us today. We're excited to pick your brain and kind of course. learn about how, you know, what your role, how your role affects the rest of us as homeowners. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was, uh, that was my question is for those who don't understand what your title is or what your job is, I mean, it's a very fancy title. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Break it down uh, in layman's terms it for confuses us. confuses people sometimes um, because it's so fancy, but basically, um, when I don't want to say the title, I would just say that I'm the lobbyist for the Boise Regional Realtors. But before I go into all the specifics of that, I like to give people um, the 30,000 foot view of how advocacy works in the Realtors Association. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have a three-pronged approach. We have our National Association of Realtors, which handles all legislation at the federal level. Um, they work with all the department heads and the administration in Washington, D.C. for housing policy and uh, private property rights. And I mean, there's thousands of different um, aspects I could talk about there, but they also do endorsements in support of what we call realtor champions, which are uh, congressional members that bring the association to the table when big decisions are going to be made regarding uh, housing inventory uh realtors buying and selling and then uh, private property rights. So that's one aspect. That's kind of the top of the chart. And then you go down a little bit further and you go to our state association, which is called Idaho Realtors. And they also have a government affairs director like me. Um, they handle all the state level legislation at the state house for the session. Um, they also do endorsements for constitutional offices. So governor, secretary of state, um, Lieutenant Governor, 
and everything on the state level. So they have the view of the state level. And then when you go down to Boise Regional Realtors, um, we have the view of the local level. So all our advocacy efforts are focused on um, Ada, Gem, and Elmore counties. So the county level and then all the cities within those counties. So we have jurisdiction in terms of advocacy um, on policies uh, for those counties. And we do endorsements for city council, mayor, county commissioner, and anything else that touches uh, real estate or private property rights on the local level. We also work with our state association, of course, when legislation is coming up, we need to mobilize members to write letters or call their legislator to get them to support certain pieces of legislation. And we cross-pollinate with the National Association, too. So it's all interconnected, but we have our own lanes on on how we advocate um, and where we advocate. Awesome. So let's rip off the Band-Aid here and clarify. A, um, when you say uh, Boise Regional Realtors, I think often homeowners or, or locals, whether you're a homeowner or not, think your primary um, goal or responsibility is to make the realtors richer and, um, you know, and less about the people is that, can you help me understand that or, or clarify, um, that what you do isn't just advocacy for realtors, you know, the richer becoming rich or the rich becoming richer. Um, but also, and primarily in conjunction with the actual rights, um, of landowners and those that buy and sell. Yeah, definitely. So, what I think about um, when it comes to advocacy and kind of the ways that I was taught from our former director and just all the research that I've done and the work that I've done over the past four years is it's not about making realtors richer, but it's about um, ensuring that the buying and selling process is free of burdensome regulations so realtors can effectively help their clients buy and sell property. When it comes to private property rights, um, we do a lot in that space. And just a couple examples of that over the last couple of years where um, a ordinance came up in Boise that would have limited um, the ability of using uh, short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't just affect our realtor members. It affects people that have rentals that want to um, better utilize them um, and more efficiently, you know, fund other things in their life in terms of we have a lot of uh, stories about um, folks who are using Airbnbs to um, make rent more affordable for um, some of their other long-term rentals. So it's, it's a supplement. Um, and there was so investors a, of all shapes and sizes. Correct. Yes. So there was an ordinance a couple of years ago that uh, was proposed in Boise that would have limited the ability of folks that had multiple rentals and how they used them. So if you, if you wanted to use an Airbnb, um, you had to live on site. So essentially you'd either have to have an accessory dwelling unit or you'd have to have a duplex or a triplex and live on site. So you couldn't have more than one. And that would have severely limited um, folks' ability to gain extra income from their rentals. If they wanted to use them as Airbnbs, essentially they would have only been allowed to have them as long-term rentals. And it's our position that if you have one or two rentals or three, I mean, the, the number doesn't really matter. You should be able to utilize them and um, use uh, rent them out in the most efficient way um, that you see fit. So that's just one aspect, but we've gotten involved in other land use um, issues over the years to 
um, protect private property rights when they've been infringed on. Um, and it, it's good that that kind of stuff doesn't happen a lot. Um, but when it does, we're ready to step in and mobilize our um, members or um, work with our elected officials that we have good relationships with to um, create a policy that's more favorable to homeowners. And ultimately, um, in my view, the biggest goal is to make sure that realtors can help their clients buy and sell property. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's great. I think it's really valuable to know that there's, you know, folks out there like you that, um, that understand the legislation and what it takes to fight for those property rights that, you know, you being part of the Boise Regional Realtors isn't just to, isn't just for realtors. In fact, it's, you know, could be even 50-50 or, you know, 70-30 more so for the actual homeowners um, so that realtors can support them in, you know, legal and ethical ways to help them do what's best for their situation. Now, by the time people are are listening to this, uh, the election would have just happened a couple of days ago. What was really pressing during that that was uh, affecting what you do and uh, what all of us as homeowners and our rights and those type of things, what were the big impacts? Um, So on a yearly basis, we do candidate endorsements and um, we do candidate interviews and endorsements from our local perspective. Um, If it's a main election year where there's a lot of legislators, then our state association will do that on their um, level. So what we do, um, as this is an off-year election, people aren't really engaged in the political process Mm -hmm. because there's no presidential race or there's no midterm. Um, But it's a big year for uh, city council races. Um, We had probably, I believe, 18 open spots across Ada, Jim, and Elmore. So what we do is, as candidates file, we have a questionnaire that we send out to each candidate that has contact information because they're not um, required to provide like email or, f- or phone number. They just have basically an address says where they live. And um, uh, we are, I have to go out and find if they have a campaign website, if they've got any other filings with the state so I can contact them and say, here's our questionnaire based on our issues and growth, transportation, uh, private property rights. So we send that out. We give them about a week to fill it out. And from that, um, from there, they fill it out, send it back. Um, and then we kind of go through, um, when I say we, I mean myself and our public policy committee, which is made up of realtor members um, from our association, go through and decide which candidates we want to bring in for an interview. From there, we set up interviews in person for about 20 minutes and we go over the questionnaire with them. We ask them different questions related to real estate, homeownership, private property rights, And from there, our public policy committee will make a determination on which candidates and which seats we want to support uh, via an endorsement and a political contribution from our PAC, and in some cases, some additional support from our National Association of Realtors. And then we put that out to our membership, um, which is um, about 6,000 at this point and growing. Um, It's probably a little higher than that, um, but it's around there. We put that out and we say, these are the candidates that have earned the Boise Regional Realtors endorsement. They're good on our issues and we really think that um, our members should support them. And it's not across the board that um, every endorsement that we do is widely accepted by the membership, but that's how associations work. We can't have a 
a vote on, uh, you know, uh, several thousand people voting on a candidate that we want to endorse. So we have our process. Um, it's worked for us. And I would think based on how I see other associations that are similar in the housing industry on the local level, our process is probably the most thorough in terms of uh, we have the questionnaire, we have the interviews, we can compare that to the other candidates. And um, most of the time it's pretty clear on who the strongest candidate is on our issues, who has the best chance to win. And um, then we'll also put that information out in the public and say, these are the candidates that are best suited for the issues that we're facing on housing inventory and growth and all that. And um, like you said, by the time this airs, the election will be over, but you can still go on our website, boirealtors.com. And we'll have a summary of the election. And also you can check out our endorsements after the fact. Okay. Now, and you had made a, a big point like this election that just happened. Uh, it wasn't the type of election where people were really, you know, engaged as much as some of the other elections. Right. But still very important. And, you know, as you had mentioned with the, the Boise's proposing that legislation, uh, you know, that would have affected anyone with Airbnbs, property owners, multiple units, all that. It, you know, for someone who didn't have maybe that situation right now and didn't wasn't aware of it didn't wasn't abreast of what was happening with it all of a sudden they've got a few units and they would have found out too late right so it is important to always know what's going on and how can myself as or jamie or whoever listening as a homeowner property owner what is the best way for them to get information that is going to affect them in this case for ada and elmore and canyon county well, our website has a lot of information specific to um, anything housing related or any type of threats to private property rights. Um, so boirealtors.com is a good one. Um, but also to save time of not going to city council meetings and reading agendas. And mm -hmm. um, that's that takes a lot of time. And the websites aren't always that user friendly. So um, I think Boise Dev and Statesman and Idaho Press all do a good job. They all cover different aspects of what's going on at the city council and the county commissioner level. So I would encourage listeners to frequently check out those websites. Um, it's part of my daily reading and closely related to my job. So I'm always on there checking for things that I might have missed in a, in a uh, city council meeting or anything else that might come up um, that's related to the real estate industry because mm -hmm. there's so many different conversations going on and you're not going to catch all the issues, but the big ones we either know about um, from our contacts um, at the cities or the counties. So we have a seat at the table when that does come up. And if, if we don't know about it, then we have um, tools in place with our national association for calls for action to um, quickly mobilize our our members to respond to those type of things with um, comments and letters and anything else that we need to do to either support or defeat an ordinance or a piece of legislation. What are some of the biggest things on your radar? Yeah, so what are the hot topics yeah. this year? <clears throat> well, or what were they, should I say? Yeah. Continue to be housing inventory and lack of um, not, not enough houses, as you said at the outset, and I agreed with everything you said. 
Um, as I have, <laughs> as I have a front row view to kind of the stats that we put out on a monthly basis for our members, um, we are seeing an increase in inventory, but it's not having that big an effect on uh, median sales price. Um, some of the other things I think that people don't, they look at the median sales price in the $500,000 range. And they think that that's the price of a house all across Ada County. But if you look into it, um, one of the factors that's driving up the cost is a city like Eagle, where the median house price is seven hundred and fifty to eight hundred thousand, and that's kind of skewing the numbers a little bit. So, you know, I've talked to uh, friends that are in the process of buying a house or looking at doing that within the next couple of years, and they just say, I just really can't afford it. It's in the five hundred thousand dollar range, and that's why it's so important to use a realtor and um, and use a re you know realtors aren't like for like you know there's some that do research and like you were just saying every area is different you know it just it depends what someone's needs are if you know if someone has three kids and they go to a school in the Boise school district they need to be in Boise um, you know some people that have a different job and are willing and able to commute can live in places where the median home price is lower and the uh, Boise Regional Realtors does do a really great job of releasing market stats and, you know, realtors can even break it down by city so that, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to live in Meridian, I can tell you that home price median is going to be different than Eagle or downtown Boise. Right. So, um, so it's not just, it's not as simple as just this blanket answer, like you're saying, Cameron. And, right. you know, I think getting over some of that fear and unknown and just making a call, you know, to find a realtor, whether it's me or someone else that can support you, make sure that they, um, that they have that information at their fingertips and they're sharing it with you so that you can, um, you know, really make the best decisions for your situation. Well, right. because not all realtors are created equal, <laughs> I think is really what this comes down to. And so it, this is where you do your due diligence as a home buyer seller um, is interview interview your real estate agent make sure this is someone that you're comfortable with that is answering the questions that that you want and need answers to and that you feel is going to represent you in the right way it's and, just like going to the doctor are you going to trust your yeah. best friend to give you the right diagnosis or are you going to go to someone that's the best educated but you know? i watch Grey's anatomy every I week You're so i should a doctor then yeah i know <laughs> you know same thing with your home in, yeah. in most cases it's a person a family's largest financial investment in their entire life yes um you know it and everyone like we've said in previous episodes knows 12 different realtors and you know and i get some feeling of I understand the feeling of, of being obligated, feeling obligated to use someone that you know, but it just goes back to, would you trust your best friend to be your doctor? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. And for those friends and folks that I've talked to that are concerned about the median house price, I always just encourage them to do their research and find a realtor and, and talk to a bunch of them. Um, because a lot of these folks that are concerned about not being able to afford a house, are just using Zillow, they're just using realtor.com and they're just looking at um, what's the list price and um, they're not really doing a lot of research beyond that. And I think once they take that step of talking to a realtor or a couple of realtors, it's gonna become a lot easier for them and they're gonna see that they do have options available, even in Boise. Yeah, agreed, agreed. What would be your biggest advice that you could give right now uh, to a homeowner, whether first, you know, or a seller or buyer, uh, 
whether or not they're a first-time home buyer or maybe this is their third or fourth home they've they've bought in their lifetime, what's the biggest advice that you could give them? Um, just what I said, uh, talk to a realtor. Don't rely on uh, um, hearsay and conjecture and don't rely on the prices that you see on Zillow to make- the Facebook headlines. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't rely on social media for your- uh, your housing price uh, news and information. Um, talk to a realtor and talk to a couple of them. Do your due diligence and read their reviews and talk to people that they've used. Um, and then I think, like I said, from that from that step, it's going to get a whole lot easier. And even if you can't afford something right now, having um, wor- working with a the realtor, they're always going to be keeping their eye out for something that's going to be in your price range and with the amount of financing options, <coughs> excuse me, with the amount of financing options available um, and uh, benefits for first time home buyers through Idaho Housing and Finance and all the tools that they have, um, even from my perspective, I was surprised at how little money I had to put down to get in the house. Um, and I bought a house earlier this year. Um, I got lucky, but it was in the price range that. Um, it fit my budget and it worked out. And I was in the same boat after working for the uh, Boise Regional Realtors for a couple of years with the sense of kind of dread and I'm never going to be able to buy a house and rent forever. And then I took the plunge and I talked to a realtor and we got the process moving from that. And it really only took um, two months. Um, and there was, there was portions where I was discouraged where there was a house that I liked and got outbid and it was 40,000 over asking or 50,000 over asking. And that happened multiple times, but eventually we found something that worked and, um, uh, you know, I bought a house and I was in that same position as people being scared to just talk to a realtor. And then I did it and uh, it wasn't so bad. Well, and having uh, a big difference, one of the big differences between a good and a, okay, not so good, realtor uh, a good realtor will tell you like in that case if someone comes and says uh, you know i don't know if i can what i need to do a good realtor is gonna say okay no you're not ready right now but here's the things you need to do to be ready and is gonna help you down that road to get you to where you can buy a house not yeah. so good realtor is gonna go yeah see ya Call me when you're ready. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, with no process. real help. Yeah, so. it's a process. And I think, like Cameron said, it's it's fear. In fact, do you think you could have bought sooner if you had spoken to a realtor sooner? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there, there was even a portion where I'd spoken to the same realtor, and I was just still in the position of I was in a nice place that I was renting, and it was much cheaper than what I was going to have to pay to have a house. And getting over that um, fear of... Um, not having all that play money that I did before um, and saying, okay, well, this is a good investment. I'm still going to be okay. It's just going to be, you know, more than I was used to when I was renting. And then you just have to get used to that. But it wasn't something that um, I couldn't financially do. Um, And then, you know, once I got serious about it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Once you have the facts and figures, you can, you know, then you can really start making some decisions. So, well, well, I think I th- I apologize. I kind of got us off track. Oh, it's fine. And um, <laughs> we were talking about I had asked about hot topics, and then I totally derailed the conversation. Oh, it's okay. What What are one or two big, uh, you know, things that were big hot topics this year for the election? 
Um, so on the local level, since those are the only races that are going on right now, the same type of issues that we've seen over the last four years um, are still top of mind with everybody. Housing inventory, uh, managing growth, transportation, how do you pay for services to new areas that are annexed, um, finding a balance between paying for new services and continuing to grow in a healthy way, but also um, trying to redu reduce the load of property tax burden that's on the residents because we're continually seeing property taxes go through the roof. And that's a very complicated issue with many factors. It's not just the city budgets that affect that. Um, so as, as just like a singular point, I'd say growth and housing inventory are still the top, um, the top issues that are facing Ada County at gem counties, having some growing pains, mountain home in, uh, Elmore County is having growing pains. And I think just getting everybody to the table and continuing to, to um, see where we can synergistically work together to address these issues. Um, because the, I, in my view, the cities are doing um, a lot. I mean, um, Meridian's doing a lot in their priority growth areas. Boise um, is doing a lot of infill. Um, we're hoping that eventually they will start to um, look at some more strategic annexations um, that are in their comprehensive plans so they can put some new developments in those areas. But I think the, the cities are doing as much as they can. And then there's a lot of factors that residents and homeowners don't even think about when it comes to uh, why are why are new houses so expensive. And new if a new house comes out and it's $700,000 or a whole development of 100 houses come out and they're in that range, that's going to have an effect on resale houses and their value. Um, and I think a lot of people don't think about that. They don't think about um, the lack of um, tradespeople that we have or, or that we need to build the houses. They don't think about the cost of land. Um, cost of lumber right now. Yeah, materials, all that. It all, it all goes into the fact, the you know, the median house price being over $500,000 in 80 County. And... I think a lot of residents have a simplistic view of, well, why don't you just build more? Well, it's not that it's not that simple. Um, all of those factors are market driven, and if we want to stay in a free market, we can't have a, um, local governments coming in and heavy handing, um, you know, price for materials and all that kind of stuff. So, I think there's a, a lack of understanding amongst a large group of people that are angry and complaining about the, the changes that we're seeing in Ada County. And I, I mean, even if you educate them, there's still going to be a lot of native Boiseans that are upset with the growth, but um, look at any other area in the growth United States. Growth is inevitable. Yeah. yeah. Like, or if people keep having babies, we're going to keep growing. Right. And if you look at any other area in the United States that has experienced this type of growth in the last 50 years, um, they've all gone through it and they've managed it as best they could. So, um, you know, those complaints about stop the growth, stop people from moving here, you can't if you want a free market. I agree. And I, I think that was a, that's a really great point. If you look at other markets that have grown, you know, some of those that are closest to us, um, Seattle, Denver, you know, going a little mm -hmm. farther south, Austin, Austin has been a huge hit. Heck, even Dallas has been a huge hit. Um, you know, some parts in Arizona, 
even New Mexico had some massive growth in the last 10 years. Um, everyone has to grow. We're, you know, we were lucky enough to kind of, you know, ward it off for 10, 20 years and now it's going to happen. So it's just how we're going to, how we're going to roll with that or not. And, um, I think a common conversation is holy cow, the transportation has gotten crazy. The time that it takes and kind of our lack of a really great infrastructure for transportation. Um, any insight onto, into plans, um, to, to, um, better set us up for the growth from a transportation perspective? Yeah. So 80 counties unique in the sense that they have an elected board that controls all the highways and road systems throughout the entire county. It's the only setup like that in the United States where they have this type of board that controls um, the transportation system um, for an entire county. Most of the time, if you go out to Emmett, they are controlling their own roads and how they put those in and design them. Same thing with Mountain Home. <clears throat> when it comes to Ada County, the cities have to work with ACHD, uh, Ada County Highway District, and their elected officials to determine um, the best way to implement a new transportation system. And we're very car-centric in Ada County and um, there's been efforts to uh, get more buses, and one of the complaints is um, there's not enough frequent bus um, stops or, or routes. Um, there's not enough buses running, essentially, um, because nobody uses it. But then the counter argument is you need to increase that service for people to use it, so then it makes sense. But there's a lack of funding in that area. We don't have what's called local option tax. So everything that um, Ada County Highway District raises for uh, transportation funds comes through property taxes and in some cases impact fees. So, and just- Which means property taxes have to go up at some point. Right. And have a little bit, and it's not just all going to, you know, one guy at the desk at, at our state capital mm-hmm. that goes towards this transportation that most of us are pretty aware of the bit large opportunity. And the way that other cities have um, increased their public transit, either through um, rapid transit bus systems, which actually um, they're working on on State Street, and that's a ways out, but um, that's something that could help um, relieve some congestion and take some cars off the road. But other cities have the ability to um, have a local option tax. And in Idaho, that's not an option except for resort towns under 10,000. What that is, is um, say that Ada County wanted to put a, uh, I'm just going to say a number of 4% sales tax on top of the state sales tax. So we'd be looking at 10% sales tax, but then they could take that 4% um, that's just collected in Ada County and they could put that into uh, public transit. So and specifically dedicate that. Right. Yeah. And we don't have that option here. Got it. And year after year, there's a coalition or there's, a, there's a, a, some groups or individuals that push for this at the state level um, because when we look at every other growing city, they have uh, this option or they have other funding mechanisms and we just don't. We're just very limited here. Um, and then that always gets shot down in the legislature because they just view it as an additional tax. They don't really look at it as a way to um, help transportation. And year after year, I hear the same conversations and it just never gets off the ground. So 
we have to make do with what we have until there's some type of change in the legislature and that thought about local option tax um, becomes more favorable, favorable to them. And uh, the local option tax isn't even, um, it's not like this would get passed at the state level and then the cities could just implement it. They would still have to take whatever their proposal is, how much they want to um, put on top of a sales tax and they'd have to say what it's being used for, and then that would have to go on the ballot. So it still has to be mm-hmm. approved by voters. We don't even have the option to um, get it ask on the, the question. Yeah. yeah. So very difficult, especially when property taxes are paying for city government, county government, roads, um, and then you can see why um, residents are, um, you know, upset that they're getting pulled in three different ways when we could come up with another way um, to fund some of these things that we have. But long-term, I know that there's um, some talk about ACHD kind of redesigning how they do um, bike lanes in certain areas where they would have an extra two feet on the sidewalks and bikes would go onto the sidewalks as opposed to the roads. And that would take a little bit of the road out. But um, if we want to have multiple options of transportation, we can't just have roads with cars. We have to have bike lanes. We have to have, um, you know, some more innovative thinking, especially when it comes to uh, safe routes to school for kids, because there's a lot of areas in the county where um, kids could walk to school, but they don't have the route to get there. So parents are having to drop them off and that adds more tra- traffic and congestion. And then as you continually have more people move here, um, what are the options other than driving a car still? Um, And that's pretty much all we have. And we're getting better at bike lanes and stuff like that. But the, we've heard rumblings about, um, you know, a a rail line between uh, Caldwell and Mountain Home. And that's been talked about for years and years and it's never gotten off the ground because they don't have a way to pay for it. And until those conversations become more serious and the need becomes more dire, we're going to continue to be in the same position of we're going to have to drive or take our bike in areas that make sense because you can't ride your bike all over the city. Not all the city roads have um, bike lanes for you to efficiently do that. So for right now, we're looking at continued congestion. I think ACHD is doing the best job they can with the funds that they have available. But um, yeah, Traffic's still not bad compared to a lot of other places in the United States, but for those natives, um, it's a lot worse than it used to be 10 years ago. Yeah, I agree. And as a native that has watched that grow, um, I totally see what you're talking about. And, you know, we're so car dependent because we're accustomed to coming into Boise from our cities, you know, Mm -hmm. Marina and Napa Caldwell. Um, And because that population has increased so drastically, you know, within the city limits, we have to be willing to adjust. And and you said the um, safe route to school. We had a son that just graduated from um, Boise High School right in downtown Boise. And it scared me all the time walking to lunch that, I mean, those kids are having to walk across really busy roads um, because there's so much traffic. There's not a bus for them to hop on to go downtown for lunch. And um you know, but what an amazing amenity to have a high school right downtown and these kids, you know, get yeah. to grow up in that area. How great if we could have a bike lane that they could ride to lunch, that would be safer. I love that extended sidewalk idea. Um, as a bike rider, I mean, I've been a bike rider for 20 years and 
I can't think of many roads anymore that I can ride my road bike on and feel like I'm not going to get sideswiped by a car because someone's texting. And, you know, I, I don't want to change the energy of this conversation to something negative. Um, I just think it's really important to be aware that we are growing, whether you embrace it or not, it's going to happen. And how great would it be if we could not get caught with our pants down, like Austin and Denver behind on the transportation issue. But, um, you know, and, and I don't, th I want to be clear. I don't think Cameron is saying, let's just slap taxes on. I mean, this has been a really methodical, we need to fund this somehow. And, um, you know, it's, it doesn't go without a ton of thought and research from his perspective, um, to assess if that's the right route, but the money's got to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got checks and balances, whether you believe it's a perfect system or not. Um, you know, costs increase every year, you know, whether it's, and buying your bananas or your gas or, you know, the labor for the roads, it's just inevitable. So as a homeowner who also doesn't want property taxes to go up, it's a part of the process. Right. Well, and for everything that we've talked about, all the links, all of that, you can find it all here in the description of the podcast your ways to be able to stay on top of what's happening uh, and you know uh, kind of in a, in a way uh, stock what Cameron does uh, because you do know, please let do. him do the research <laughs> let him do the research yeah. and you'll be able to stay abreast of what is happening that yeah. impacts you impacts your family and our communities here and Cameron thanks for for being on with us, buddy. Yeah. yeah, of course. Thanks for the time you invest in, in our community and our property owners. And we really appreciate people like you that understand the jargon and, invest. and do the stuff we yeah, don't want do to, stuff we don't want to do. And we don't understand. <laughs> so thank you again for being a part of this. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'd love to come back. And now at this time we would do our, our treasure Valley spotlight here towards the end of the year. And now firmly, you know, into the, into the holidays, we've had Thanksgiving, uh, you know, Christmas coming up, the new year. There's so much to be thankful for family and friends and all the different amazing things that happen this time of year. But we wanted to take this time to be able to put a spotlight on ways that you can be able to help others that maybe aren't as fortunate this time of year. There is a lot of need that is out there and these last couple of years with COVID and everything else, it's, it's made it even more difficult for many uh, losses of jobs, businesses, things like that. So here's an opportunity for not just you, but you and maybe coworkers. If you have volunteer hours, I know my wife, her company, they, they give them, pay them volunteer hours to go out and help. So whether it's getting together your employees or coworkers um, or family members, get the kids there. And it was something that was always really important to me with my girls was to get them out, get them volunteering, get them seeing that the world is much bigger than their, their little chunk of it. And it's a, a great way to be able to truly give this holiday season. Uh, some of the ways that you can be able to help, uh, some of the opportunities, Idaho Food Bank. They're in need all year round, but especially this time of year. Those numbers are huge. Uh, the Salvation Army in Boise, Nampa, Caldwell, St. Vincent de Paul, 
Interfaith Sanctuary. The, the Boise Rescue Mission is another one that is always in need of help. Boise Mutual Aid is one that you can be able to, to help out with. Uh, there's also the Idaho Youth Ranch. American Red Cross Blood Services, getting getting a hold of them, giving blood, platelets, whatever the case may be, can save a life. And what better gift to be able to give here during this time of year than the, the gift of, of life? And things have been definitely tough. And you've probably seen on the news and read in the newspaper or online that it has been a tough go without being able to have those those same blood drives that the Red Cross has classically done over the years. It has really put a serious hamper on things. So you can get a hold of them uh, very easily. Their website, givepulse.com, and that'll give you all the volunteer opportunities and ways to be able to, to give there for the American Red Cross the Women and Children's Alliance, the WCA, uh, they can definitely use your help. Uh, the <clears throat> Catholic Charities of Idaho, ccidaho.org, uh, has a lot of different volunteer opportunities there. Uh, the Treasure Valley Service Learning, the list goes on and on. And actually, if you just do a quick Google search, under Treasure Valley Volunteer Opportunities, you're going to see just a full list of different very, very worthy causes and find one that makes a difference and matters and is meaningful to you and your family. And it makes it even that much more special. So however you're going to be spending your holidays, hopefully happy and warm and with friends and family, Hopefully this is an opportunity for you to be able to give back all the great things that you have received and to be able to share that there is love, that there is hope. And this truly is a place to be able to to love where you live, not just your home, but the entire community. And together we can make a difference. So on behalf of Jamie and myself, Have a very, very happy holiday season. Bless you. And we will talk next time on Love Where You Live. Thank you for listening to this episode of Love Where You Live, a podcast dedicated to real estate in the Treasure Valley. Once again, to learn more about the opportunities in the Treasure Valley and be supported by Idaho's best, go to jamiematzdorf.com.